And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast on a Thursday as we roll along to our championship. This week finishes up here uh, in the United States. Keep in mind, next week, big event in Europe. It's the BMW Championship, uh, which we played over there in Europe at Wentworth, I believe. And uh, a gentleman here joining me here today uh, is going to help me break all of this down here as we move over to the BMW Championship, which will be a big week for the European team as they prepare and qualify and make picks for their team for the Ryder Cup, which as we speak right now is three weeks away, 43rd playing of the Ryder Cup. Of course, United States goes against the European September 21 through 26 at Whistling Straits back at the homeland this year. But they got some work to do because Europe has won nine of the last 12 Ryder Cups, including that ass whipping three years ago in France, which was 17 and a half to 10 and a half. And a guy that knows a lot about the European tour, European golf joins me right outside of London here. Tom Jacobs, thanks so much uh, for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Travis, for having me. It's, uh, you know, when you when you reel off those wins for the European side, it's, it's quite exciting to hear. Um, I think there's probably a little asterisk next to one of those that was was named a miracle for a reason. Um, we, you know, we probably should have probably shouldn't have had that one, but uh, it was, you know, lovely to see. Um, you know, I think as I look at it now, this is probably the one that I'm the most worried about. Mm. Um, I think this is one that sets up perfectly for you guys. Um, but, you know, as we've sort of said before, it's it always looks that way. You know, you look at the world rankings and you guys absolutely dominate. I mean, we've got the best player in the world right now, John Rahm. But uh, mm-hmm. after that, it's, uh, you know, it's American flags everywhere. And, and that seems to always be the case. But, uh, yeah, I am worried. Yeah, Rahm, of course, no question, uh, the best player in the world right now and would have who knows how many wins if he didn't have these cases with COVID. I mean, he was dominating the Memorial there, great field. And of course, you know what happened there and he's going to be a problem uh, for the American team because he's playing so good. We'll get to the team here in a second. You're in Kent, right? Which is about 45 minutes outside of London. You went to the, um, the open championship when it was there uh, a month or two ago, of course, Colin Morikawa won that. And you've got the BMW championship coming up next week, which isn't too far from you as well. So it'll be another great tournament uh, for you to go to. And you break these European tour events down. You have a partner, Skylar Hook. You guys do a podcast, uh, European tour picks and bets for the Mayo media network, but you also have another podcast that you do that is exclusively for European tour golf. Talk about that. Yeah, so so we do the Mayo Media Network show, which is just European tour picks. And myself and my partner did a Lost Words podcast. Um, you know, we, we do do we cover the PGA as well, but uh, you know, primarily I think for us and our uniqueness is the European tour. I think that's uh, where we can offer the most insight, um, especially when it comes to the Ryder Cup team right now. Um, some of the guys that are on the bubble are, are people that we know all about, and and you know, the guys over there, you know, wouldn't necessarily know about all the guys that are in the running so um a couple of people obviously you would in, in more experienced heads and and ones that are kind of knocking down the door in the fedex cup recently but uh yeah there's there's some guys there that you wouldn't know too much about yeah well higo big fan guido who's on the outside looking in right now and then you got wilco right like you've got these characters who i just i love watching play and i watch european tour not Everyone does here over in the United States. So this will be a fun podcast, I think, to go inside 
the team here, but I want to start with this. You live in Europe. You've been there. It's not a secret that the Ryder Cup just means, I don't want to say more, but it's positioned differently in Europe than it is, let's say, in the United States. For someone who's over there, who lives there, has watched it, studies it, how do you describe the Ryder Cup and in the way it's positioned and its meaning in Europe, say, versus the United States? I think it probably goes back to even before, you know, I was into golf and alive, even, you know, Sevi Ballesteros and um, Jose Maria Rothabo and their great partnership in the Ryder Cup, you know, played most matches scare of any Ryder Cup team. I think it's always been something that we've, look at it, I feel like Americans always dominated the sport, right? And and that's to be expected. Um, but this has been the one thing that we've kind of been able to latch on to every couple of years is something that we can succeed at. Um, you know, we can get one over on you because of our team ethic. Um, I think that the guys in the European tour, they travel together, they, you know, hang out together. They do a lot of, you know, practice games together. And that happens on the PJ tour, right? But I think there's a lot more isolation because you're traveling from state to state. You can go in RVs, you can go in cars, you can get hotel rooms. It's not so much, uh, you know, not so much camaraderie, whereas I think the European tour is all about that aspect. So I also think that, um, in terms of Ian Poulter, for example, you know, you read his book and his the fire around the Ryder Cup is built on the fact that he uh, wanted to play football, you know, soccer as a young child and, and never quite made the grade. But this is kind of his replacement for that. And I think there's probably other guys like that, Matthew Fitzpatrick, speaks soccer about. Um, and I think that's a massive element. So um, I think that we're, we're, we're suitably positioned to succeed, um, but we've you know, certainly got the odds uh, stats against us. And... I think the other thing as well is that when we go to America and play, you know, you guys play these kind of golf courses all year round and, and they can be set up in your way. And, and we kind of trick it up for, you know, like golf national was perfect for us. You, you basically couldn't win there. You know, it was very, very difficult. Um, you know, you, you could have picked Kevin Kisner and that would have made your job easier at the golf national maybe, but I wouldn't pick him this time. So it, right. it, it certainly has, you know, it's, it's always a fact of the golf course and Western Straits are going to be that this week as well. Yeah, you make a good point because Kisner is a point of contention over here. Like people are like, we, we, you know, we should have picked him in France, which I agree. I think he would have been a good fit over there, but he's not a good fit at Whistling Straits because absolutely not. You know, when you transition to Whistling Straits, it's look, I mean, if they don't set this course up long and no rough, I've said many times on, on the podcast, turn the sprinklers on, <laughs> you know, just let them run now for the next two weeks. Let's make it wet make it really long, make the fairways play wide and let's not trick it out. Let's just put the flag pretty close to the middle and, you know, keep it simple in front of them. And, and, and in America, like it's, it is kind of bomb and gouge for the most part, right? I mean, these guys, their advantage is they can hit it a long ways in the air off the tee. You know, Bryson can carry it 330. DJ can carry it 315. JT can carry it 315. And, on down, Finau, Harris English. Like these are guys that can get it out there a long ways. And let's not, and then let's widen it out, no roll, and then let the stroke scan approach go to go to work with very little complication in and around the greens. Where yeah. Europe, you can trick it out, balls bouncing, pinch the fairways in, tuck it, wind, different types of shots. Like it's just a different game to your point. And France certainly uh, exposed that. Padre yeah. Harrington is the captain. Yeah. Uh, Robert Carlson, Luke Donald, Martin Keimer. Keimer 
could have a lot of value here um, at Whistling Straits. Uh, Justin Rose, who's not on the team, has had some success there at Whistling Straits. So you've got guys that have seen this course. Um, based off my description of what I think they should do with Whistling, how would you, would you agree with that? Or you think maybe there could be something a little different in store? No, I think that it's a perfect example for what you should do. Um, you know, I was very, very excited as a European fan when when there was all the talk of Kevin Kisner getting a pick because I just think he's a terrible pick. You know, personally, I think that all his match play form uh, is based on one Pete Dye golf course, um, which, okay, is a Pete Dye course, but he's in Austin Country Club and, you know, not, nothing like what he's going to face this week. Um, I think he's a great player, but I think there's probably five yeah. or six courses a year that suit him, and this one doesn't. Um, we and, and people likened it to Ian Poulter, right? People said that, um, you know, Poulter's short off the tee and Poulter relies on his short game like Kevin Kisner would. But I, he just has a, something a little bit extra, and he's done it, he's proven it, he's done it all his career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't you can't compare the two. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to be set up that way. I think that... I kind of read something that said the Stricker isn't just going to make it long and put the rough down, but I can't see that not being the case. I think that's probably just keeping us on our toes. Right. Yeah. I think you can, I think you can pretty much, pretty much expect that. Let's talk about the team here. Um, you guys do it a little differently in Europe. Clearly it's worked extremely yeah. well. Um, and the first point that's different is the four leading members on the European list right the money list yeah they get a spot so right now going into next week's tournament because you have one more week in the united states the points stop after the bmw um you know the event the week before the second leg of the playoff it's over with they're playing the tour championship these nothing counts towards points it's something to look at for stricker in picks and he'll make his picks the following week after the tour championship but for the European team, you got a lot of players coming over to play the BMW championship next week in Wentworth. And then right after that, Padraig will make his pick. So they still have another big tournament for those guys on the bubble to work themselves in. But the guys that are in John Rom, number one player, um, his debut is in 2018. He was one and two. You got to love your top dog. Don't you up there? Yeah. And I mean, look, I think that, People might look too far into the fact that he didn't succeed much uh, in Paris, but again, probably not the best golf course for him. Probably got a bit too pumped up. Um, you know, he's a completely different player now. I've, I've really liked the interviews that he's done recently. He seems to mature. He's had a child. He's got that major win, so that's another thing off his back. You know, he, this is not the same guy that we saw in Paris three years ago now. No. Um, you know, he is undoubtedly the best player in the world at the moment. Um and that's going to be huge. You know, we don't have that very often. We've had it with Roy McIlroy in the past, but generally speaking, you guys bring the best player in the world and we just watch. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's massive. And I think the thing with Rahm, and we, I kind of thought about potential pairings and things like that. I don't quite know how they're going to treat him. Are they going to treat him as still slightly inexperienced, someone that needs an experienced head because he can get fiery and needs to be settled down at times? Or are they going to treat him as a guy that can take... Uh, a Victor Hovland on and pair up with him because they would be an electric duo um, and complement each other really, really well. But I look at the guys that are shorter off the tee, you know, Uri and Poulters and, you know, not Tommy Flew is not short, but he's, he's certainly not the longest. They might need a guy like Ram or Rory to, to give them the extra firepower in pairing. So even Matthew Fitzpatrick. So there's, there's definitely something to say uh, about those guys. Yeah, and you guys have been so good in alternate shot. I mean, that is where 
the Europeans succeed is the Americans just don't have it in this alternate shot. And perhaps that's where the most strategy and team atmosphere really comes in, in the support, uh, because you guys have clearly done well there. Now, in the best ball situation, right, where you've got everybody playing their own ball and you take the best score, Americans have, have fared better there and, and certainly in the singles. But the Europeans separate themselves in alternate shot. Why, I mean, why do you think that is? I, th- I think there's a couple of factors. I think one is, um, you know, I think it's really, really hard for the Americans. I think a lot of them have very similar games. So I think that it's harder to to get complementary games. You know, normally you get a kind of a Roy McIlroy and an Ian Poulter where one of them is long, one of them is a bit shorter and can be, you know, uh, safer and let the other one have a go at the cream. Whereas the American guys, they both want to do the same thing. Um, you know, you haven't got a guy, probably not this year, in, in like a Webb Simpson that can put the safe ball in the middle of the fairway and, you know, find the green with ease. Um, so I think that's one reason. I think also, I don't know, this is probably more your expertise, Travis, in terms of the ball, right? You know, I think the mm-hmm. ball's a massive impact in terms of which ones play the same one. I think a lot of the yeah. guys are going to be tailor-made, so I think that probably helps uh, in that respect. But I know that's been a, a sticking point at times. You know, they talk about Bryson being a difficult person to play with for a multitude of factors, but the other one is the fact that he plays a, a Bridgestone ball, which is not one that people play very often. Yeah, I don't think Bryson's going to be an alternate shot. I, <laughs> my prediction is Bryson will play with DJ day one in in best ball, and we'll see how that goes. And if it goes well, then he'll play again. And if it doesn't, then we'll see him on Sunday. And I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty much the the way it should be. And and and. Uh, I tend to feel a little bit sorry for him, and I don't want to make it about a Bryson DeChambeau yeah. podcast because it's, it's European. But I tend to think there's he's he's instigated some of these things, and then it's kind of got out of hand, and mm-hmm. now he's got to go into a team atmosphere, and, and that's the problem, right? With with the American team, and that's why the European have so much success. I mean, you've got to go back to uh, Sergio Garcia and Podrick Harrison feud fifteen years ago, maybe. Um, you know, to to think about the last time we really had someone that fell out with one another and they've buried the hatchet. He's going to pick him this week or this time around. And, you know, that really and truly, you, you see the guys and they're already happy to play with one another. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. You know, I think Rom is, is much of a different player as he is and he is now. I mean, there's no question yeah. he has become a top-level player in the world as your number one guy. Fleetwood has went the other way, you know, and yeah. he's... He's number two. He lost his cart over here, which is, is a bit of a surprise. It hasn't been a great uh, show for him over here. But back in 2018, the guy was absolutely unconscious. I mean, him and Francisco Molinari yeah. played incredible golf. Fleetwood, four and one. He's your number two guy. Perhaps looking for a little more form um, here in the next few weeks before he gets up there to Wisconsin. The only other slight concern as well is I don't think he leaned on Francesco Molinari, but Molinari was in great form that year. So that was obviously a massive help. I think they complement each other very, very well. When it came to the singles, uh, he got beaten quite handily by uh, uh, Tony Finau in that final day. And I think that was probably a bit of a bit of exhaustion maybe and, and the fact that he'd, he'd played all those games and and, it, and, it, and he put a lot into that week so I don't tend to hold that against him what more concerns me is that it's been this lack of form now has been pretty much since the pandemic happened and I, he's a very family orientated person Tommy Fleetwood I think there was a lot of concern about going over to the PGA Tour and, and playing in America when he first had all the travel restrictions in place um, and I just don't think he's ever settled I mean even coming back over here to the events where you'd expect him to play well he hasn't 
he hasn't done what Tommy Fleetwood does, you know, in Abu Dhabi earlier in the year, um, he had chances and fell away pretty handily, you know, the Scottish Open, which you, you bank him to do really, really well, didn't do it. So I, he would probably be uh, my biggest concern actually on the European Ryder Cup team. And and I could look really stupid and, and hopefully I do, because that means that he's done, he's played well and, and the whole mm-hmm. team are firing, but he would be my, my biggest concern at the moment. He, I mean, he hasn't had a, a top 10 uh, in stroke play since uh, March, I think it is, at the Bay Hill. And that's quite a long time to go without that. Yeah, Hatton might be, Terrell Hatton's your number three guy. Yeah. A little bit there too. Surprising with Hatton this year. Um, he was he was second at Palmetto when Garrett Higgo won. Yeah. Who I had at 58 to one to win, which was Perfect. a beautiful and fun weekend. <laughs> um, and then he misses the cut at the U.S. Open. Misses the cut at the Open. Misses the cut at the Northern Trust. I think, you know, when I look at Terrell Hatton, the first thing that comes to mind is world-class putter, one of the best in the game. I think he lost his putter a little bit, not quite as clean as we've seen from him. Um, And then maybe it's filtered into some just wishy-washy ball striking and, you know, kind of one thing leads to another. And it just hasn't been quite the Terrell Hatton that I think we expect either. But make no mistake, Terrell Hatton gets a little fire underneath him in this setting. His debut was in 2018 where he went one and two. Yeah. I mean, just Terrell Hatton just feels like the next generation European tour Ryder Cup player, doesn't he? He does. And and I really like the point you made about his putting because I think that, like you said about his ball striking, it does get wishy-washy. And I think that it's never really been a massive strength of his game. Like he can hit his irons well and he's won at certain courses. But mm-hmm. you, you look at his, I mean, you, you'll know Travis as, as an instructor. I think if you look at his swing, it's pretty uh, unique. It's not something that I think can hold up. Uh, when things are going wrong. And I think he went on a really hot run. Um, you know, if you'd have asked me six months ago about Tyrrell Hatton, I'd have said, you know, he's one of the players I'm most excited about this Ryder Cup. And he certainly is a completely different player to 2018. You know, he's won on the PGA Tour. He's, uh, you know, but there was a time last year where, uh, and even start this year, where he was going to big events, you know, WGC's Players' Championship, Masters, and he was missing the cut. And it was really, really concerning. He thought, why is it on the biggest stage he's, He's falling backwards. You know, he had that win at Bay Hill. He expected that to be a snowball effect. Um, and then he, he kind of let himself down. And, and he got over that again by going to the second Masters of the season and, and playing well. Um, but like you said there, he's missed a, a few cuts now. And I think he'll be okay because I think that he'll come over to Wentworth where he's a defending champion. And I think that he'll be absolutely fine. I think he'll have a good week. And I think he'll go over to the Ryder Cup in buoyant form. Um potentially pair with Casey again, like he did uh, in Paris. Um, could be another guy that, you know, might play with. It's tough, isn't it? Because you wouldn't want to put him with a John Rahm because I think they're both too fiery and could get themselves worked up. So you've got to give him with a, with a level-headed player. Um, so maybe one of the one of the captain's picks might go with him. But yeah, it, he's one of those guys that you, you do hope that he comes back to some form before, uh, before we set off there. How much, is, how much do you think Terrell is like, feeding off the fans because I think the fans is an interesting point here too, because you know, these guys can't get over here to the United States because of COVID. So there's not going to be a ton of European tour fans. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, 
is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. How much do you think Terrell would feed off of the energy from the fans pushing him along because he's a fiery guy. It seems like that would make an impact with him. And no, who knows? I mean, maybe there's obviously there's a lot of European people here and fans and they may just all show up at the same time and it'd be a moot point, but it seems like it's going to be difficult for that to happen. No, I think that's a significant factor. I don't think you can overplay that at all. I think that, um, you know, that is always a factor in the Ryder Cup on on a normal year is that the Americans generally sound out the European side in the away games. Um, then it's going to be a completely different level of that this time around. I think actually Tommy Fleetwood would probably be someone that really suffered with that. I think he's mm-hmm. a guy that was a crowd pleaser at Paris. And only because of what happens done during the kind of lockdown period and, and without fans in terms of performances, I think he could get himself up for it anyway and and maybe just feed off the guy that he's with. But I, I do think he needs, I don't think he wants to be walking the kind of fairways with a, with a guy that isn't getting up for it. And I think most of these European guys do. Like Paul Casey isn't someone that shows an awful lot of emotion. When the Ryder Cup comes around, he does. And so I think we've got a team full of those players. So I think he'll be okay. But yeah, another factor for me for Fleetwood could be a concern. So now we get to Rory. He's number four. 11, nine and four is his record. Whistling Straits was the 2015 PGA Championship. Yeah. And Rory finished, let's see, he was 17. No, no. Yeah, he was 17. Yeah. Uh, he was nine under 17. I, I mentioned Keimer, one of your co-captains. He was T12. Yeah. Um, that's the year that Jason Day won at 20 under. And I think it's important Justin Rose was fourth at 14 yeah. under, who's on the outside looking in. So those are some of the things you got to look at. I'm sure the captain is with Padraig, guys that have had success at whistling straights. Rory, you know, I look at Rory, um, you know, he's always so transparent and thoughtful. He's adored all over the world, you know, including here in the United States. And you know, he just got to admit, I'm, gosh, I'm tired. Like you could see yeah. these guys over here. They're gassed. Like Morikawa looks tired to me. Um, Justin Thomas looks tired. It's just, a, it's a tough stretch right now. And like, they just look like they need to get some rest before um, the PGA championship. And I'm sure they will many with a couple weeks there. But the one thing with Rory and it's like Dustin, when I see the putter start to up, have the uptick, like it has the last three weeks, then I'm like, it's coming like it's it it's coming and i see the putter heating up with rory the ball striking wasn't that bad hasn't been quite as clean say the last couple weeks with the iron game i don't feel like rory's that far off and i say that because the putter is warming up and and when you're rory mcelroy and you know the putter's gonna be warming up you're like okay i'm good here it come boys because he's been driving the ball really well too 
and, and that's the thing. I think he was actually third in, in 2010 at Winston Strait as well, slightly shorter golf course that time around. But he's got the experience of playing that golf course. Yeah. Uh, he is, we talk about the Americans being a perfect fit for this golf course. He basically has the PGA Tour style game to go with it. Mm-hmm. And like you say, really important that, that everything about Roy McIlroy is his putting. You know, um, I think his putting has been better in Ryder Cups than in general events anyway. So I think that helps. But Actually, it's his around the green game and his chipping that's really surprised me and improved in recent weeks. And and what I like you mentioned there is that he's off the tee game. You know, was brilliant last time out. He's now, well, I was thinking, was he fourth last week? And he's now going to the Tour Championship where yeah. uh, he's always had a great record as well. Uh, you know, two victories there. So I think that there couldn't have been a better time uh, for Rory to, to one play those events and two have that little rest period because he's not a guy that needs to impress. He'll just turn up ready to go ride a cup and he does something like he doesn't diner and sets his clock wrong or whatever. Then he'll just turn up on the team and be fine. All right, so those are your top four. Yeah, you can make a good point with McElroy. He he plays East Lake really well too. Yeah. Um, I think behind Xander, I think Rory would be a close second as far as playing East Lake. So this is a good run for him um, heading in. So the next five are your Ryder Cup point system. And of those five, I'm going to list them here. Victor Hovland, Paul Casey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood, Shane Lowry. You have two rookies there, Hovland and Lowry. Speak about what you think we're going to see from those two. Well, they're not the rookies in the truest sense, are they? I mean, we've had guys uh, in the past like Rafa Cabrera-Bello who's performed actually very, very well when he was a rookie um, in 2016. He was a rookie there and I think he got three and a half points. He was great. Yeah. Um, we've had people like Chris Wood. We've had Andy Sullivan play Ryder Cup. They're, they're rookies of the truest sense. Nicholas Colsarts did it at Medina again, played very, very well for a little while there. This is, uh, we're talking about Shane Lowry here, this is a... Um, major winning player. He's won WGC events. He's had an extraordinarily consistent season. Um, He's done basically everything but win. His ball striking has been off the charts. Um, I think he had more to prove than anybody else to get on this team. He currently sits Mm. in that automatic spot um, but can be leapfrogged. I think he can lose out his spot uh, if Wiesberger or Vita Perez win over the next two weeks. So that is something to keep an eye on. Um, But I think he's done enough now that if if he was to get sort of uh, pushed out of that, he would actually get that third pick. Um, so I think Larry, we can pretty safely talk about him. Um, he's going to be perfect for this. Uh, he loves, you know, he gets really hot with the putter. Um, you know, when he's on his game, he's going to just ball strike people into submission. I'd love to see him partner with Rory at least once. It sounds like a lazy pick, both being uh, you know, Irish and Northern Irish, but I would like to see it at least once. I think they're good friends. Um, and then you've got Victor Hovland. I mean, again, yeah, like you've got with Colin Morikawa over there. We've got a guy that's going to be a rookie, but this is a guy that we're expecting to win major championships anytime yeah. soon. Um, so he has, again, the perfect game for the PGA Tour. So the, the course is going to suit, you'd think. Um, and I just think he's great. I think you can partner him with anyone. I think he's going to be right up for it. Um, we've seen him sort of go down the wire with people before, and he's not afraid of anyone. You know, he's young. He, he appears quite quiet at times, but I think he can certainly give as good as he gets in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, Hoblin's impressive. He's he's another fan favorite over here. His short game seems to be slipping a little bit. We saw improvement there. He admitted, like, and now it's slipping. His putter's been a little chilly, which we know can happen. You know, these guys are out there a lot. You kind of ebb and flow a little bit. But, you know, Tita Green, I mean, driver, irons, he's going to hold his own for yeah. sure when it comes to you know American style. I love Lowry. I think he's a little bit of an underrated iron player. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. He, he can get a little erratic off the tee, which I think will be a bit of a concern for Podrick and looking at Lowry, but he makes up for it. A lot of it with his iron play, good short game player can be a little inconsistent with the putter, but he's just, he, you know, he can be a bit of a gamer too, right? Like Lowry, I, I think you make a really good point. Feels like maybe he has the most to prove and will be ready to go. And certainly, accustomed to playing a lot of golf in the United States as Victor Hovland has done as well. Went to Oklahoma state um, has been here and knows that American style. So those are your two rookies. And then we come back up to Paul Casey, who just lives on the first page of the leaderboard over here. You know, yeah. I mean, every time you turn on TV, oh, there's Paul Casey, you know, <laughs> you know, he's one or two shots back rolling in another birdie smile on his face, waving, I, you know, the guy is just a model of consistency. And you think of Paul Casey, like, Oh, he can't putt. Yeah. But the dude's one of the best ball strikers in the world. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line. Paul Casey can strike his golf ball and knows how to play American and golf. His record is four, three, and five. You got to feel pretty good about Paul. Don't you? As far as a, a strong player. I think he's an underrated player. And I say that because there's always been this kind of thing about Paul Casey that he doesn't win enough. Right. And then it's because he doesn't win enough on the PGA tour. Um, and, and he doesn't, you know, but just over the last couple of years, I think that, that uh, we talk about an awful lot on our podcast back at Harding park, when he had that chance to win uh, and lost out to Morikawa. I think he basically done everything he could to win that major tour, uh, championship mm-hmm. and, and Morikawa just beat him. And you could see by his face and his reaction that he was just like, look, I've done everything I could that week. Um, I threw everything I could at the kid and and I lost out to the better player or basically just one golf shot. So I think his mindset is the best it's probably ever been. Um, like you say, I think his consistency with with the uh, the driver and the irons has been absolutely superb. There's always going to be a question mark over his passing. But I think it's true of any good ball striker, right? Because you just see them have so many birdie chances, um, they're going to miss load. They are going to, you know, if they made every one. They'd be like Patrick Cantlay last week with 15 strokes game putting. So, um, you know, you see it with Rory McIlroy. We see it with Victor Hovland. You know, all of them set up these massive amount of chances, even John Rahm, and then they can't bury them all. And I think that is more of what it is. I don't think he's a bad putter anymore. I think he he has his moments, but I think for the Ryder Cup, absolutely fine. So you got Fitzpatrick at seven and Westwood at eight. Westwood started really hot. Fitzpatrick will kind of show his face, you know, here and there. Fitzpatrick's has always been a very interesting player to me. He's, you know, he's a guy, he's not long. He keeps in front of him. His iron game is probably his weakness of his game, but yet then he, you know, he can fill it up with his putter, right? So it's like a, you know, in America, you know, like stroke scan approach kind of dominates and you have this conversation where it's, well, if he could just do it all with his putter, he'll be fine, right? And with Fitzpatrick, it's like, if he doesn't have with his irons, he'll be fine. Yeah. That's always the way I kind of look at him because his driver's fine, not long, but in play. And his putter, like the dude will fill it up. Like I, when I think of European golf in the Ryder Cup, from an American speaking, it's, it's like they start making everything. All of a sudden, it's like they're putting to a basketball hoop. <laughs> and Fitzpatrick has that ability where all of a sudden it's positive seven putting. It's positive eight putting. He can turn it on. So Fitzpatrick scares the daylights out of me with that putter, you know, just scares the daylights out of me. Do you, are you more confident with that with Fitzpatrick or are you more confident with the veteran Lee Westwood who has played 
44 matches. How about that? 44 matches in the Ryder Cup. If you'd have asked me six months ago, eight months ago, 10 months ago, I'd have said, give me Westwood. He's in the form of his life, uh, you know, twilight of his career. I think he's going to win a major before he retires and everything like that. Um, and it's tailed off, right? It has tailed off. I think it had to because I think that to keep up that consistency was very, very difficult. He has shown flashes, so there's still signs there. I still think that he'll be playing because I think he's a good veteran presence, just mm-hmm. like the guys that they're going to get picked. Um Fitzpatrick, I don't know how much he's going to play. He didn't play a lot um, on his debut. I think in 2016, I think he played two games. He played twice, and, yeah. And he lost the singles. Did he half with Stenson? I can't remember. Yeah, he now. was 0 2. 0 2, yeah. So mm-hmm. he didn't make a single point. And and I think, like you just mentioned there, his irons are his weakness. And I think the thinking was that he gets paired with Henrik Stenson. Um, Henrik Stenson will do the ball striking, and Fitzpatrick will finish it off. Um, and and it wasn't really the case. And, and I do worry that. Is he someone that you're going to use in the better ball format, in the in the four ball format? Do we do we need him for that? We've got guys that can can do those sessions. So I think he'd be a good foursomes pick. Um, I think yeah. that he could he could finish off the things that other people can't. Um, what I do like about Fitzpatrick is he. I spoke to his his caddy Billy Foster, who's obviously been a part of all these Ryder Cups and and seen it all really. And and he said that he has got this kind of driver that is a bit sneaky long that he can sort yeah. of hit the screws when. You know, when people don't think he can, and you look at his results on the PJ Tour this year, he's been very, very consistent. He's been contention fairly often. You know, Genesis, I remember being right there. Um, you know, I think it was Bay Hill he played well. You know, so he has had a really, really good season, really promising. But again, I think that I wouldn't call him a weak link because he's playing too well to be a weak link. But I do think he's someone that will be used sparingly because his game just doesn't suit the golf course. Yeah, he's fifth at the Genesis. Um, 11th at WGC Mexico, 10th at Arnold Palmer, 9th at Players. He had a really nice run in the spring. Yeah. Fourth at the RBC, 23rd at the PGA, 10th at Palmetto. Yeah, it feels like a big ballpark for him. But he's the guy that's like, man, okay, here we go. Just made another one. You know, there's another 35 footer for Birdie yeah. late on a Sunday. <laughs> you know, when everything's yeah, just going he's in. Just, so yeah, he's, uh, he's got that kind of firepower. And Westwood's yeah. going to be interesting too because he's giving up. Certainly a lot of length. He's not playing quite the golf that we saw early in the year. He's certainly very happy in his life. He looks like he's playing on house money. He knows how to handle the Ryder Cup. He's been there, done that. Um, so he's certainly your veteran there. And, and Westwood, as we now move into the captain's picks, because you guys have three. And Stricker has six. I mean, what a job. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Like, I think Podrick said, I don't, I don't want six like he's got a tough decision to make with those six although i think the first four are pretty clear cut on what he's going to do there um but real quick here the, the, as we get into these three picks westwood and sergio have played a lot together and have had a lot of success sergio 22 12 and 7 is his record he's currently 18th he's on the team isn't he hundred oh, percent. And it's funny you mentioned that the Westwood Cars here dynamic because I have a note here. Uh, okay. They've played seven times together. Uh, they've won four times, half twice, and lost once, and they're unbeaten in foursomes. So, wow. um, 
Uh, could they play together? I think so. I think that's a, a possibility. Again, I think that they'll probably both get used to partner other people. Um, but, you know, maybe we're, it doesn't start so well in the morning. Maybe they play them out there in the afternoon to, to get things going. Um, you know, uh, the thing with the European side is that we just have talisman pl- uh, players. You know, they just lift their game for this. You know, we see Sergio Garcia. He's been in good form pretty much all season without finishing off. I remember that run of the players where he didn't quite get it done. Um, and, you know, we, we saw last week and he had three shots out of the sand and that really cost him uh, a chance of contending there. But he always proves himself at the Ryder Cup, always proves himself leading up to the Ryder Cup. And there is no way that Sergio Garcia doesn't make this team. Um, I think that everyone wants to focus on the fact that the dynamic between him and Harrington, that is buried. I think they buried it at Rory McIlroy's wedding a long time ago. And there's a mutual respect between the two now. Are they best friends? Maybe not. But uh, I'm pretty sure that there's two guys, unless they lose an arm over the next two weeks, they're going to be on the side. Well, I mean, anytime Sergio goes positive five putting like he did at the BMW last week where he finished six, you're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, if he finishes, if he goes positive five putting, everybody's in trouble because the guy with is still a ball striking machine. So, yeah, I agree. I think he's on. Um, so at least two. And right after Sergio, you got Poulter at 19 and Rose at 21. Right? Those are guys looking out. Rose didn't even make FedEx Cup playoffs. Won the Payne Stewart Award deservingly last night here at East Lake. Um, but it's been a tough year for Rose. And then Poulter at 19th. I, I think he's played okay here. He's had some good events. He's looked like Ian Poulter to me. Yeah. Does Poulter make this team? 100%. There is there is zero chance that Ian Poulter gets left behind. Um, if, if he gets left behind, I don't know what I'm talking about. Because okay. <laughs> he... Um, he, you look at his, you know, his results never look that flashy, do they? Because he's playing predominantly on the PGA Tour on courses that don't necessarily suit his strengths, right. and he has to he maximizes his potential. I, I think that there is not a player in the world that has got more out of his golf game than Ian Poulter. I think you, you think about his humble beginnings and, and how he got into the game. I think he has done everything he possibly can. I mean, he's contended in major championships. He has no right to contend in. He has won titles. He had no right to win. Um, he still does it in the Ryder Cup. I think it's a 68% win record in the Ryder Cup, which is just unbelievable. Unbeaten in the singles, four wins and a half in five matches. Um, four sums, he's four out of five, one loss. Um, he has got a mixed record in four balls. So he's, he's won four times, lost three times and half one. So he's still got a winning record in all of them. But that would be his weakness. And I think that may just be with who he's been partnered with and how he has to change his approach to be safe uh, because of who he's been partnered with. So, uh, but yeah, he's going to be there. He's a guy that can be paired with Rory, Ram, Hovland, uh, anyone really. So I think that he is uh, completely adaptable. So it really comes down, I think, to, to one major decision uh, for okay. the Ryder Cup team. All right. So we've got Rose left. Now, now there's some things that can happen here, as you mentioned earlier with, you know, a win by, by burn Weisberger. Yep. Um, you got Victor Perez right there. You got Robert yep. McIntyre who can bomb it. Um, Guido Migliozzi has shown tremendous form came over, finished what fourth in the U S open. I think yeah. um, he's been fun to watch. So let's just say Lowry keeps that ninth spot. Sergio Poulter in who, who, who do you think is number, number 12? So I think that, Podrick is crossing everything that Rose either wins the BMW PGA or 
contends because I think as long as he can pick Justin Rose, he can sleep easy because I think it's, you know, when you look at Justin Rose, he's had a bad season. Like you said, he didn't make the playoffs, but he played, I think he was seventh for uh, Augusta and, and led for a, a long part of that. I think he was top 10 in um, the PGA. You know, he was 10th last time out of the Wyndham. I know he missed that final part to make the playoffs, but he's played well enough um, again, he's got a sneaky Ryder Cup record. He's, he's 60% over there. I always remember how he performed against Mickelson at Medina. Um, he's the perfect partner. Again, he's someone that plays with Henry Stenson an awful lot, and and one of those is not going to make the team, you'd think. So um, that that's a potential thing. I think that Rose could be a really good partner for some of the rookies or some of the, the, the guys like Tyrrell Hatton or Fleetwood that he could so, carry. Them. So Rose is going to play in the PGA Championship next week? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, 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 uh, no, don't think Polter's playing. And Sergio. Sergio's definitely not playing. No. So Sergio's it, I, I think. Yeah. I, I think they, they must have been given insurance. Yeah, I think so they're both in if they're not. Yeah. Sergio yeah. Polter, just that feels like, yeah, you know, like they're in. And so Rose is coming over and you got Victor Perez, you got Robert McIntyre, you got Guido. They're all kind of vouching for that spot. <laughs> to be a rookie, a third rookie, or do you go with a veteran? And to your point, Rose is 11-5-2. and two. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'd throw a cu- another couple of wild cards in there. Okay. Um, so I think that if Justin Rose does anything next week, he's the guy. Okay. And I think he probably has earned that. Although Bert Wiesberger's won, I think he would have been, if he'd won last week, if he didn't hit a pebble out of the sand, he'd won five times over the last three years. So he's done pretty much everything he could. Um, but I think him and Perez are both guys that just need to win to get in. I don't think they're going to get picks. Alex Noren, you know, has been on has been on a tear during the FedEx Cup playoffs. Played really, really well, um, and was playing well for for a good part of the PGA Tour season as well. Back end, so um, he's going to play over at Wentworth. He's won there before. Played very, very well there in the past. I think he shot the course record to win the time that he won it. So he's going to be pumped up to do that. Um, so I'd put his name in the hat and. Rasmus Hogard, I, I sort of put this to, to Twitter last week. We just won, right? Yeah. What what would he have to do to to make the team? You know, I think he's going to have people like Thomas Bjorn. He's going to have people like Soren Kjelton in his ear telling them that, you know, telling him that he can make it. Um, mm-hmm. He's playing the Italian Open this week. He's playing the BMW PGA. If he was to go and win another one of those and contend, I don't really know what else, other than the fact that he's obviously very young at 20, um, that that you could really keep him off the team. And I think that we've, both teams have done that. They've left guys, you know, I remember being very uh, pro Matt Wallace for the 2018 Ryder Cup team. Um, and Sergio got the pick ahead of him and it was the best decision they could have made. Um, and I think that any one of these guys that gets picked, so we're talking about Wiesberger, Noren, Perez, um, McIntyre, Guido, if any one of those guys went and then we they, they failed and Justin Rose got left at home, I think we'd have a very you know difficult conversation. So I think that I think Rose is the most likely, and then I think that it comes down between probably Alex Noren and Bert Wiesberger. Interesting. Yeah, Wiesberger, a name that we see over here, uh, a decent Noren. I mean, what a run! Fourth at the Northern Trust, ninth at BMW. Guys putting incredibly well right now. Yeah. Let me ask you this. We'll finish with this. I made this comment yesterday on the USA show that I was telling Daniel Rappaport. I said, I think with Patrick Reed, who I think would have been in if he didn't get hurt 
and the bilateral pneumonia, right? I yeah. think he's, he hasn't played in three weeks. He's playing this week at the tour championship. I, I just, I think he's out personally. Yeah. And I think it, I, I feel like Stricker is probably asking players their thoughts on this pick, this player. And I can't imagine Reed's generating a bunch of support. I, I think he's listening to that. There's an out. He dropped a grenade on the way out of France on the team and this and that, like that can't sit very well. How much do you think Padraig would listen to his players when it comes down to this last pick? I th- the only thing with Patrick Harrington is he's the most unpredictable golfer in terms of his individual side. You know, everything he did was went against the grain. So I think any other captain would probably look to Roy McIlroy, uh, to um, Ian Poulter and Sergio Garcia, Paul Casey, and just say to them, like, who do you want in? And I think they'd probably all say, let's give Justin Rose the shot okay. because I think that he, um, you know, he, he's not coming to the end of his career, but he's certainly the amount of Ryder Cups that he could automatically qualify are, you know, twindling away. So I think that he he will, but I think ultimately it'll come down to his decision. That's why I think that it's open to someone like an Alex Lauren or a Rasmus Hogard to, to really go and get his attention. So I I don't think that he follows the grain in anything else other than... The, the only thing I would say is that you only get one... You know, it's not like a, a soccer coach or an American football team that that bring in young guys and see how they perform because they're looking at four or five year plan. This is potentially a one and done situation for Podrick Harrington. So does he just go with the safest pick in the hope that he gets that victory uh, the one time that he gets the captain because Justin Rose would be the safest option, I think. Yeah. Well, and it just feel like a Ryder cup, right? Sergio, yeah. Ian Rose. I mean, it would feel strange feel young again, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, was, they were, they've been playing forever and let's not as much as I, as much as I love Guido and like the next, you know, I'm kind of vouching for Sam Burns over here. I think he fits the mold of what whistling straights will be more than Kisner, more than Horschel, you know, Kokrak's interesting. Um, you know, Scheffler's an up and comer. The coldness of his putter just concerns me. Berger can get really cold with the putter. So I'm I kind of. You, I saw you mention Scotty Scheffler kind of versus Sam Burns, and I completely understand your point. The only thing I could possibly see with Scotty Scheffler is he has a really tight, I assume tight bond with Jordan Spieth. I think that mm-hmm. I spoke to Will Zalatoris on the podcast before and him, Spieth, Scheffler used to play an awful lot growing up in Texas. And I just wonder if Scheffler and Spieth, if they're going to put Thomas with another guy. I mean, I'm assuming Thomas and Spieth will play together and I'm assuming that Xander and Cantley will play together. And I think those are kind of made up. So it, it always depends on whether someone like Spieth lobbies uh, for yeah. You know, Scotty Scheffler. It's true. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I think it's interesting there because I think you've got to play Morikawa in alternate shot, you know. And so to me, that's going to break up probably JT and Spieth a little bit. Um, you know, I, I feel like it would be, it would be really interesting to see Morikawa play with Spieth um, in, in that kind of style of game. And, and, you know, because I think obviously Morikawa's, you know, dead center. Yeah, laser irons, Spieth, you know, he's kind of got it back now. His short game putting is incredible. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, I think, with some of those players. Cantley's certainly going to fit into that alternate shot. The Americans have got to figure out that formula this year and moving forward on what works in alternate shots. They have to come out of their 500. 
for, you know, now and for years to come, they got to figure out how to go two and two, you know, or, or some splits in there. They can't lose three, one, you know, in those alternate shots like they do. And, and so whatever they decide there, I think is one of the most important parts of this, because I think, you know, in, in best ball, they'll be fine. You know, yeah. they, they're, they're going to set it up to these, they're going to have their bomb and gougers out there. And, and I think they'll, they'll do just fine there. They've always historically done pretty well in singles, but that strategy with this group here from now and years to come, if they want to win this thing, they've got to learn, they got to figure out how to break even an alternate shot. And do you think, um, you know, put a bow on the show here, do you think that the American generation now of the players that are coming through are going to change that dynamic and it's going to look a little bit more like a European Ryder Cup team? Because you see these guys, I mean, when it was JT, Spieth, Fowler, Smiley Coffin, when they were all first coming out, they were all really close. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are not on, but I think, you know, you've got the JT and the Spiefs. I think that guys like Xander and Camp, they were very close at the President's Cup. I think that now, I think what happened, as you mentioned with Patrick Reed, that was the kind of last of the old guard, whereas Patrick Reed yeah. and Spieth played together because it made sense at the time and they weren't necessarily best friends. And then Spieth got his way and played with Justin Thomas in France and that upset Patrick Reed. But I think that's probably the way to go. You need to keep the guys, you want your best guys to be happy with the people they're playing with. And I think right. that is... Yeah. That's what's going to happen. I think always before it was always like shoehorned that you know when they played like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson together. Well, I mean, what what are they doing? It is yeah. it's preposterous. So, I think that that is probably the way they're going to go. I think I am slightly concerned on your behalf that the six and six kind of selection. I find that a bit much. You kind of want guys to earn it. I think what they've done is they're so scared of guys that have missed out. I think Billy Horschel got hot in the playoffs one year and he missed out and. And they didn't want to make the mistake of leaving Kisner out of the Golf National and things like that. So I think they've gone with the I can pick whoever I want strategy. But I think that just gives you too many decisions, mate. You, you mentioned yeah. there, you know, Kokrak, Burns, Harris English, Scheffler. Um, you know, Patrick Reed, if he shows any life at the Tour Championship, I don't suppose yeah. he will. I think he's probably just there in a desperate bid to get in, but I don't think he will. Um, you know, they've been talking about Phil Mickelson. Is he going to get in because he won a major championship? I doubt it. But there's so many decisions left there to make now that it, it kind of makes it more difficult than it was before. Yeah. You know, this next generation that you, that we're looking towards here, um, you know, DJ's becoming a bit of a veteran here. Um, you know, he's been around a while, but you know, I, I kind of looked at JT, Justin Thomas, Spieth, Xander. I'd put Morikawa in that group. Like to me, Cantlay, you know, those are the guys now that I think have to rally here a little bit. And Who's going to be that emotional leader? Who's going to be that voice? Feels like Justin Thomas. Yeah. You know, you're hoping that Bryson and Kepka could have been a part of that, but they've clearly have alienated themselves, I think, to some degree. I mean, I, I can't imagine the bulk of these guys are looking at them right now individually going, really? You know, like, I mean, this is how we're going to behave, um, yeah. you know, and rewarding people to getting kicked out of a tournament because they called you Rooksy. I mean, and that's I, I where we are. That was a little bit. Antics and, you know, antics. And so it's like, you know, you, you kind of, those two have, you know, they're over here, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think the rest of these guys now are like, okay, if this is going to mean something, it's got to come from that group. And I'd like to see a couple of younger guys come in, maybe have a voice. I think Berger feels like he would say something. I feel like Burns has got a little edge on him. Scheffler feels a little passive and back and that's okay. 
Yep. But you know, you need a couple now other guys to come in. Now all of a sudden you got seven, eight guys within maybe five, six years that let's, let's turn this thing around and let's show some energy. And then maybe in a year or two, Bryson and Brooks grows up and they become a part of it. Yeah. And I think, I think that the, the Bryson Brooks thing has been fueled by the, this pit money, right? That I think they've tried to fabricate a big sort of beef, if you like, to, to, to kind of get the interaction on social media. And it's gone way too far. And now it has caused unrest. And you've got Brooks going off and playing against Dave Portnoy in a special match in a couple of weeks. You've got, yeah, uh, Bryson doing a long drive contest the day after the Ryder Cup, which isn't a massive factor, but I think that he's already anticipating having a bad week. Um, you know, and like you say, you're now kind of expecting a Harris English, a Sam Burns, a you know Tony Finau to be these kind of saviors and the and these level-headed guys in the in the locker room. Uh, when they're trying to play, I mean, Fina obviously has played one, but the other guys are trying to come into their first Ryder Cup. They should be, they should be going to these guys and, and expecting advice. DJ should be able to put an arm around one of them and help. Right. JT will, I think. Jordan Spieth will. Um, Colin Murakawa, for as much as he's won major championships, as much as he's won PJ Tour events, I don't think he's scared of anything whatsoever. The no. Ryder Cup, every single player talks about how the Ryder Cup is a different feeling altogether. You know, we've seen people top the ball off the tee. We've seen people literally <laughs> shank, you know, shots left, right and centre. It really is uh, a completely different atmosphere. And I think that those guys need to take ownership and help those cars come in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally agree. Well, this has been fun, man. We could. Yeah, uh, I loved it. We yeah, we'll do it again. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk some more golf for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Here on the podcast. I, I appreciate you staying up over there and um, look forward to. Well, tour championship this week, yep. BMW championship over in Wetworth next week. They're going to make their picks. And then um, September, what I say? September 21, right in there. We'll play the, the Ryder Cup and uh, we'll see how it shakes out here. Going to be like 8,000 yards. Play about... <laughs> Play as wide as possible, as as, as low rough as possible. Um, yeah. no, I think it'd be great to catch up after the Ryder Cup and just see where okay, our thoughts yeah. were, how we aligned. Because I think that you know we've we've kind of got our own ideas. You've got your ideas of how you want it set up. I've got my ideas of who the definitive picks are going to be, and we could be completely wrong, couldn't we? It could pan out absolutely differently. So it'd be interesting. You know what to we're going to do? Yeah. What we're going to do is the Monday before the Ryder Cup, we're going to come on and we're going to. I'm going to. I'm going to pick my team. Yep. They're already, they're going to have our picks and we'll, we're going to go at it with, okay, I'm going to just like they do. We're going to do our drawings. Yep. Sounds good to me. That'd be fun. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. I'll, uh, I'll reach out. We'll do that right before we'll do it the week of the Ryder cup. Yep. I'm thinking either Monday or Tuesday, we'll have our pick show. Sounds good to me. Travis, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on and uh, thank you for having me. You bet. That's Tom Jacobs at Tom Jacobs 93 on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll, we'll see you in a few weeks. Stripe show podcast on a Thursday. Do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today is your lucky day because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at pinned golf. Their brand new Ace Rangefinder is amazing, and it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple weeks now, and I was blown away with the quality. It has a slope technology, pin-locked vibration technology, so you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy. And best of all, it is powered by a USB charge, so you can forget about those little batteries every other Rangefinder makes you buy. 
One 45-minute charge lasts you 50-plus rounds. I love it. Our friends over at Pin Golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping when you use code Stripe Show. That's code Stripe Show. I'm telling you, for $175, you simply cannot beat the Ace Range Finder. Head out over to pingolf.com and get yourself the Ace and get dialed in.